and welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. Harvest Church is based in sunny Durban, South Africa. We are a family of believers who are passionate about Jesus. We really hope this message inspires you today. Last week, um, Richard Lawton preached, and then two weeks previous to that, um, George preached two messages on Here I Am, Send Me. And uh, in these moments when you hear those messages and George asks the question, are you available? And everyone with enthusiasm goes, yes, I'm available. Here I am, send me. And uh, so today I want to build on that and uh, trust that it, it, it can help us and, and uh, put some courage in our hearts. But when you say, here I am, Lord, send me, you need to be sent with something. So us as believers, we've got a message We've got a message that we need to be sent with. And uh, I want to clarify today what that message is. My Bible says it's good news. So there's still good news in the Bible. Even though we've been through a whole bunch of stuff and people go through a whole bunch of stuff and uh, your, your circumstances might not be saying it's good news, but the gospel is still good news. The gospel is still good news. And the world, for them to discover who Jesus is, it has to come from us pronouncing that good news, the gospel of peace. It's good news. So I want to equip us today and give you a message that you can go out with and declare good news. And you can just take one thing with you, and you can declare good news. I'm not asking you to go and share everything. Just go and share some good news. And as I'm going to clarify, this good news is that God is at peace with man. God is at peace with mankind because of what Jesus has done. So it's good news. Okay? Good news. There's enough bad news out there. There's good news. Now, Jesus' aim for you and I was that, yes, we are Jesus' followers, but his aim is that we become Christ-like. We Christ followers, but his aim is that we become Christ-like. You see, because the message and the messenger need to become synonymous. They need to intertwine. And I said the first service, my children do it well. My wife is wise enough to no longer do it to me. But my children do. They go, Dad, are you living your message you preached on Sunday? (laughs) And I have to refrain from my judgment. So... um, but, but it's the truth because the messenger and the message, we get to carry something because Christ-likeness is what the world needs to recognize. Lots of people have said, I'm a Christ follower, but you cannot recognize Christ in them. There was even young, one young lady who used to follow Paul back in the book of Acts, and she used to proclaim, this is who Paul is, and he's from God, etc., etc., but she was full of demons. So the aim is that we no longer, or we remain Christ followers, but we become Christ-like. Now it says this in Romans 8 verse 29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now, guys have written books on predestination. I've got one simple Reality, you are predestined to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus, and that's it. You seated, seating, seated there. (laughs) 
predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ because when Christ walked the earth, everyone turned. So who is that? Who is speaking? So there was the wow factor with Jesus' life. So the end of the season of Jesus' followers, put your hand up and say, Christ-likeness is my aim. Thank you. Thank you. Because then you're going to respond to Jesus' greatest design and his desire for your life. Christ-likeness. Because then he becomes the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, in, in, in Antioch, they were called Christians. They weren't called Christ followers. They were called Christians, and it was actually a derogatory term, but oh, the Christ ones, the Christ-like ones. I want to be known like that. Wow, you look like Jesus. So that's the aim. And, and allow that scripture to determine who you are. So that was just the introduction. So go to Romans 10, and then we're going to go, and we speak about the sent ones, and we sent with a message, the message of the sent ones. Hey, Kimmy, it's good news. I'm going to read from verse 11. It should pop up. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There's a whole sermon in that. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul asks a question. How then will they call on him, on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? The sent ones with a message. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, and speaking of Isaiah 53, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? And another scripture says, who has believed this report? So if you've read Isaiah 53, and Isaiah gets this prophetic image and this prophetic word from God, and he's going, the first thing he does when he sees this picture of what God is going to do in redeeming mankind in Christ, he goes, God, who's going to believe this? This is amazing. This is far too good. The, the Jewish law guys ain't going to believe this because they're determining righteousness by their own works. This is Christ and Him alone. And you go and read Isaiah 53 and you see the full expression of the atonement and what, what God did in Christ. And uh, he says this, so faith or trusting God or the reliance upon Him, faith, comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, not through the word of the media, not through the word of my opinion, not through the word of a judgment preacher, angry guys. No, it's through the word of Christ. That's what produces faith in your heart. So when you hear a message, you lean in because you're trusting. And we because we're hearing the good news of what Jesus has fully accomplished. Now, go back to Isaiah 52, and I want to share something from there, and then we can stay in Isaiah, because I'm going to go to Isaiah 54. 
But Isaiah, when it speaks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, it comes from Isaiah. And Isaiah 52, 53, 54, 55, go and see it. It's the great exchange. It's the establishment of the new covenant. You go and see all the beautiful promises in, the, in, in those chapters. But it says this, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Hey, let's look at that again. Who brings good news? Who publishes peace? And that word is shalom, the full encompassing reality of who God is in his nature. To heal, to save, and to deliver. Shalom, he speaks peace. He is peace. He gives you peace. It's shalom. Who brings good news of happiness? How awesome. Actually, I can hear a song in the back of my mind. I can't sing it. I'm not George. Don't ask me to. I can just hear the tune. I can dance it. I can dance it, but I need the tune. And if you can connect with the tune in my head, it would be amazing. But this, who publishes, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, or Soteria, or Sozo, and if you've been here long enough, you know the description of this word salvation, but I'll tell you again, you and I have to publish that he saves. We have to publish that he heals, even in the midst of us losing friends and family and COVID, he still heals. We have to publish that he heals. We have to publish that he delivers. We have to publish that he preserves, that he does well, he makes us whole. We have to publish that our God reigns, he keeps you safe and he keeps you sound. Our God will rescue you from danger. You see, if you've been listening to a whole bunch of other stuff that is telling you something different, it's not the gospel. We have to go back to the word of Christ that produces faith in your heart or trust. This is the word of Christ, not the word of opinion, not the word of an old uh, angry guy. Don't, don't, don't go there. There's not enough time and space in our real estate here for us to hear bad news. But, and, and let me tell you, Isaiah, he tells us what to do when we hear bad news, but I'll come there just now. The gospel is good news, and the world and those who are still living it need to hear good news. It's a gospel of peace. See, Christians, we find ourselves arguing over doctrine while the world's going to hell. Come on. We've got good news to give. We've got good news to give. We don't have to try and explain everything because that's when we get all mixed up. That's when we get our opinions and we get all confused. And then people go, oh, your God seems so schizophrenic. I don't want to go there. No, we, this is who he is. Why? Because he established a covenant in Jesus that will never, ever, ever be broken on his side. And even if you break it, he's not going to break it. It's good news. For those who battle with good news, I've got a, a short little part in my message to help you get the sweaty palms and ooh, we need to preach a little bit of joy. I am going to help you, okay? I'm going to talk about sin a little bit. 
that it does kill you. It's not God, but it's that, okay? So I will help you. Oh, okay, I feel better. And so you can no longer go pronounce God is going to kill you. You can pronounce sin will kill you, which is the truth. Okay, so just change the language. I'm having fun this second service. So Isaiah 54. This is magnificent, these scriptures. God does something. He seals two covenants. And, and this is what you, you practically can go to the world and you can show them something and go, see that there? This is who God is. Okay. Verses 9. This, Isaiah says, when the Lord's speaking, this is like the, so it's the Lord speaking, this is like the days of Noah to me as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and I will not rebuke you. Is that in your Bible? How, how good is that good news? Some guys want to omit that. They want to, but you can't because he sealed it. And it carries on and says, For the mountains or your circumstances may depart and hills and stuff be removed from your life, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. So when Isaiah is speaking and the Lord's speaking through him, he's speaking about this covenant that he made with humanity and you go and see it in Genesis 9. It's a fantastic study. Go and study it. You're going to see where God established a covenant with humanity. And he, he, he did it with Noah. And, and he's made this covenant with Noah. And he said, Noah, guess what? This covenant I'm making is an everlasting covenant. And it will be for every single generation forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And he says this. He says, when I'm going to seal this covenant with a rainbow. Freak scientists out because no, a rainbow comes this way. No, no, a rainbow comes because God put it in the, in the sky as a sign that speaks to us and brings us to our remembrance of his covenant. And guess what God says? You're going to read in Genesis and I says, hey guys, when I see my rainbow in the sky, I will remember my covenant that I've made with you. What do you remember when you see the rainbow? Oh, that's pretty. Oh, guys, a rainbow. Have you ever thought about a rainbow? In our world that we live in, it's dull and it's gray, and then you see a rainbow. Have you ever thought about that? How powerful and supernatural is a rainbow? Do you know what I'm saying? But then God says, just as if I was speaking to Noah and making a covenant with mankind, so today I'm saying to you, never will I be angry with you or rebuke you again. Those stuff happens, and we have to acknowledge this. Stuff happens. But your stability comes with God, knowing that God has made peace with mankind. That Christ himself absorbed everything on our behalf. That you and I can walk free in our relationship with him. One thing that can bring you stability in answering, trying to discover questions that we can't really find answers to. So one thing I know is that God's at peace with me. Mountains be removed. Things get taken away. 
Heels be removed. Strong people. Foundations in our lives. But my steadfast love shall never be removed. Never. Because his covenant that he established wasn't determined on you. It was determined on himself who speaks a word of an oath and a vow. And he will never, ever deny himself his word that is established. Very powerful. So you work through Genesis 9. And you see that scripture, and we're going to come back to verse 17 now. You see, friends, most people have no problem that God's never going to cover the world again. And they have no problem with seeing a rainbow and going, God's never going to do it again. But we, we seem to have a problem that God's no longer angry with people. So we see wickedness, we see evil, we see all of that stuff happening. Why? It's because men choose their path. Men choose their way. They choose the will of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. They choose willfully in the new covenant to sin, and that destroys your life. It destroys your life. He hates it so much, the Father, that he gave Jesus as the sacrifice to redeem us from it. You see, grace doesn't say it's okay. Grace says, I take you out of it, and I give you the ability to live above it. Because new creations live differently. But the message we have is good news. I don't know what you got taught early days in the church, but I know what I did, that God was angry. And that fear in the church was used to manipulate people to serve and to be sent and to go. I go because I'm loved. I go because I'm set free. I go because I've got a new nature. I go because I've actually got a message even in my mess, I've still got a message. Romans 5.1, therefore since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And just a reminder, no Romans 5 from 8 to 11. And uh, on the screen, it's very old King James so read it with me as I read it with the New King James. But Romans 8, this is what we can share with people, friends. This is a message that we have. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if we, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation or the atonement. The atonement. The full finished work of Jesus Oh, Stacy, please can I have some water? Thank you. Let's go here to Isaiah 54 and verses 17. And go and read everything. It's, 
just so good, but I've just got a, a message for angry preachers quickly. Verse 17, it says this. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, and you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Isaiah 54, 17 says we need to refute every tongue that accuses us, the tongue of the enemy, the tongue of your past, the tongue of your neighbor, the tongue of your husband or wife, the tongue. Refute every tongue that accuses you in judgment. An accusation brings judgment. In the King James it says this, condemn every tongue that pronounces judgment on you. How often does that happen when you wake up in the morning, all of a sudden something is accusing you? You're not good enough. You're never gonna make it. You're never gonna survive. You're never gonna be prosperous. You're never gonna be healed. There's a tongue that's accusing you, accusing you and wants to bring judgment upon you and wants you to agree with it so you become passive in your belief and your walk with God. An accusation brings judgment, but God freed us from judgment in Jesus. If God was to accuse you and judge you, he would break his own covenant. I've heard people say that God needs to judge South Africa. And right now, ooh, you don't want to live in America. <laughs> yes, every corner that you go to, someone's getting judged by something. But I've heard it to say, and then if God doesn't judge South Africa, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. I say, if God judges South Africa, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus because Jesus established a covenant of peace. And I know it's not you, but I did say it to the guys online, those guys who are sweating now. It's like, oh, you're taking away my message. I'm glad I'm taking away your message. Because this message is a message of peace. It's a message, it's a gospel of peace. You see, God doesn't have to judge us for us to fall. Our own decisions and people's decisions around us to partner with compromise, wickedness, evil, and sin is gonna make you fall. I counsel a lot of people. Are you in the room? No. I'm joking, I'm joking. But when people fall into sin and they come into hard times, the first question that most people ask is why is God doing this to me? Instead of taking personal responsibility for their life. God's not doing it to you, you're doing it to yourself. Proverbs, and I don't have it on the screen, 1927, it says, cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes you to stray from the words of knowledge. Anything that undermines the gospel and the love of God is gonna make you stray. It's gonna make you fall. My disclaimer, my truth and my opinion, and I'm entitled to it. Opinion is like a nose, everyone's got one, so this is mine. If you're preaching judgment, accusation, condemnation, and that God is angry, you are not sent by God. 
Because my Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But I do think that you have yet to come to understand the beauty of what God did in Christ through the death, burial, and resurrection. That you're going to find life instead of trying to be right. In Luke 2, we often preach it, thank you for the water, we often preach it at Christmas time. And we speak of the angels coming and declaring and pronouncing good news because, yes, Jesus, it's Christmas time. But you know, it's an everyday message. You know the first thing that the angels did when they came and they arrived? You know the first words that came out of his mouth was, fear not. Fear not. Because people were. In the old covenant, let me tell you, you, you did good, you got good, but you did bad. Ooh, you got bad. First thing they did was, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased or goodwill toward men. We've got a message for the world and it hasn't changed. It's a message of peace, that God is at peace with you. There might not be peace in the nations, but God is at peace with you as an individual. He's at peace with you. He's at peace with you and I. God of heaven, the creator of all things, views you differently because of what, what he did in Jesus, in Jesus' sacrifice. So why is this so significant that the angels were so amped? I actually think, I don't know, okay, it's abiblical, but I actually think because this message that God is making peace with man, it was like 4,000 years since Adam sinned, so there's been no message like this. I think God said, come, one angel, go and shed the news. I actually think all the other angels were just like... I've been pent up for 4,000 years. I want to go and pronounce this news as well. Can you, can you imagine being an angel going, I, I, I'm seeing the story unfold. They saw the story unfold in front of them of the redemption of mankind. God's greatest possession and prize is you and I. And these angels come out. Hallelujah, glory to God in the highest. Can you, can you imagine that sound? That day, that moment, 4,000 years, that kind of message hadn't been spoken. And Ephesians 11, it says, we're putting on the whole armor of God that we can stand, stand against the schemes of the enemy. And in verse 15, it says that you have your feet fitted with a preparation of the gospel of peace. If you've ever been to gym, you've seen a lot of guys, they're Johnny Bravos. Very big on top, big lats, big arms, hot potatoes, walking around, skinny legs. Super skinny legs, Johnny Bravos. Have you seen those guys? They want to go and swim in the sea, and they're coming out the sea, and you just see this chiseled thing, and then all of a sudden, little twiggies. 
It's nasty. It just looks bad. Stay in proportion. So the best things to work, best thing to work is your core and your legs because you need your footing. In combat or any fight, you need strength in your legs so your, your footing. It, the gospel of peace gives your emotions a stable footing. When your circumstances don't make sense and they're not lining up with the Word of God, we need a message that is rooted in our lives. It's like, this is not God. God is at peace with me. Bad stuff doesn't come from God, friends. But when bad stuff comes, what footing do we have? And I've got one message in that moment and it might be confusing, circumstances, God is at peace with me, therefore it's not him, and then I can start eliminating where it might come from, and usually in the category of steal, kill, and destroy, which is the enemy's strategy and mandate. See, friends, in the midst of life, we have to say to ourselves, stuff happens. Stuff happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, eh? Yeah. It wasn't me. It was your own mind. Stuff happens. But when stuff happens, we have to determine. In our heart and mind, in those moments, stuff is happening. It's not God's not against me. But we live in a world that's got an enemy. We live in a, a, a place with wickedness and corruption and evil. But what brings stability to you is going, okay, God, I know this is not you. I know I can approach you and I can find the answer in you. But the enemy wants you to believe that it's God so that you won't approach him to find the solution. Maintain our footing. Someone gets sick. God, why are you doing this to me? You're going to lose your footing. Financial disaster, pandemics. God, what did I do to deserve this? Why did it happen? Trying to determine, is it the will of God? Isn't it the will of God? The will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect. So we have to figure out outside of good, pleasing, and perfect what's happening. And then when you discover what's happening, the authority in your identity, we get to change things. Don't lose your footing. Don't lose your footing. One covenant was sealed with a rainbow. Another covenant was sealed with his blood. It's an everlasting covenant. You see, friends, I, I want us to go, I'm available, here I am, send me, and I've got a message that I can share with the world. Again, the two dangers in the church, circumstance theology. All my circumstances around me start teaching me and training me to determine who God isn't instead of who he is. Don't allow your circumstances to determine who God is. Come to the word of God and see the covenant that he established to determine who he is. He doesn't change like shifting shadows. We do. And the other one is secondhand theology. 
that every time we come and listen, every time we come and listen, go and search it out for yourself. Go and read it. Go and get it established. Go and make it a bedrock in your life. This is the message we've got for the world. But maybe the church needs to hear it again. Let's read this scripture together. It's from the Living Bible. And you can actually just soak it in. We need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it's for fear of what he might do to us and shows us that we're not fully convinced that he really loves us. Why is he like that? Because he was satisfied in Jesus. Jesus completely satisfied the Father. Jesus satisfied the law. Jesus satisfied the curse. Jesus satisfied punishment. Jesus satisfied everything. Does that mean, friends, when you hear something so phenomenal, does that mean that I can walk out the door and just go, I'm going to continue to mess up my life? I don't want to hurt someone that I love. Can you hear messages like this and go out and go, I can make an excuse. Everything is permissible, not everything is beneficial. I can walk out here and just keep on having a little bit of darkness, a little bit there. You see, God's view to you is still going to be the same, but you're not going to walk in the victory because of your own choices. There's a kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. Even though God established a covenant, we still get to choose every single day in which kingdom we walk in. You see, faith is trusting that God is for you no matter how your circumstances look. It's going to keep your emotions stable and it's going to keep you on the rock. Having faith does not mean I'll always get the specific outcome that I desire. And the Word of Faith movement did that for the church. Small little glipsy there. It's like get faith to get something. And if you don't have enough faith, then God's not pleased with you. So it is rooted in legalism. But faith or trust or my reliance is that he's for me, that he's not against me. Having faith means believing God will not hurt me or abandon me. It means that no matter what the outcome, I will emerge victorious because God is with me and he's never left me. The world outside needs to hear that God is for them and that is not against them. You see, friends, I am living in this reality of the good news of the gospel again because the pandemic helped me meet more people outside of the church again. And I thank God for that. I love the church. I love believers. I love gathering. I love it that we get to shape the earth. I love it that we are the new creations, take the authority as the sons and daughters of God, and we get to shape the spaces and places around us. 
but it's for the influence of the kingdom of light can come into darkness where people can put their head into light and experience me before they experience my message because that is synonymous. The more I meditate on this, the more I go and establish myself in covenant, I go, God, you're for me. I might have mess. You might have mess in your life, but God's for you, and he's gonna help you and equip you to get out of that. And that's why the grace of God is so powerful and so needed for the church so we can go and show the world out there, the culture of heaven, we can go and pronounce, bring, declare good news. So let us, let me remind you again of what your mandate is. Your mandate, number one, check your feet. Check your feet, you can go for a pedicure after this message. How beautiful are the feet? And as everyone's looking at each other's feet now. <laughs> I've met a guy in the city just before I and I go and spend some time in the city with some folk there that uh, God loves so desperately and they don't have clothes and all those kind of feet. And I, I met a guy in the city, a refugee, really nasty feet, toenails, all those things. But man, he had a beautiful message in his heart. He had a beautiful message in his heart. And you know, sometimes the gospel needs to go deeper in some people's hearts and other people's hearts because of the way we grew up and what we have and some of the privilege that a lot of, a lot of people have. But coming from a nation where he had to get out, otherwise he was gonna die. Coming to a nation that doesn't want him a people group that don't want him and is begging and, but he's got this courage in his heart that God is for him, not against him and he understands that he lives in a world system and that he longs to see the king but he's living in a system that is against him but he understands that heaven isn't against him and I was sat there and I go, if I was in your position, man, I don't know what I'd be believing about God right now. Taught me something so beautiful I went back to the scriptures and I'm God, that's who you are. Everyone has got the same opportunity at the foot of the cross. And some of us are just ahead of the game. And the Bible says the, this, those who have received much, much will be required. And those who have been given much, much will be demanded of your life and your knowledge and your revelation of what we have. Don't keep this good news to yourself because it is good news. And I'm saying it because if you were here in George's message, you put your hand up in enthusiasm and maybe you want to pull your hand down now and go, no, no, you can't take it back. <laughs> See, God establishes things by vows and oaths. He takes you seriously. We've got good news. Bring good news. Publish peace. Bring good news of happiness. Publish salvation. Publish that our God reigns. You and I got a message of good news, not a judgment, not a condemnation, and not that God is angry, because he is not. Won't you stand up with me, please? Heavenly Father, what a beautiful thing it is to be reminded that we live with good news 
and we live with a Father who is for us and not against us. Good news. Even in the midst of our lives and our circumstances and the rush and the busyness of life, I can know that, Father, you are at peace with me and at peace with mankind because of Jesus. So thank you for your covenant. That's an everlasting covenant of peace that will never, ever change. And, Father, that's the picture that we can have and the picture that we can share on a rainy day or where the clouds are and the sun penetrates that the, the, the atmosphere and we see a rainbow, immediately we've got a message of good news. Immediately we've got a message of hope. Immediately we've got a message of reconciliation. Immediately we've got a message that brings people closer to the Father. Immediately we've got a message on how much God loves people. Immediately. Thank you, Father, for this message that is good news. And if you're in this room today and you're hearing good news, maybe even for the first time, cherish it, read it, take the Scriptures, allow the Holy Spirit to love on you, that you can experience the full outworking of the Father's affection toward you as an individual. Bless us, Lord. Holy Spirit, We've got a message of good news. Release it. Have courage. Have boldness. Stand. Stand ready, prepared in your boots with the gospel of peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.